So today on Gone Clear, we were talking about the shock announcement of the general election and trying not to do too much policy uh, navel-gazing, but talk about the kind of feelings that are engendered by having that imposed upon uh, It's one. quite affect-based. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm willing to use that word. Okay. Yeah. I, I used to have a thing about affect. I used to not want to use that word because of the sort of associations... But actually, it's become very useful for me yeah. in the last year. And um, I guess we're talking also about like artistic responses, not to art, not artistic responses to the election, but more like general feelings about how or why artists relate themselves to that political. Are you an artist feeling anxious about everything? Tune into Gone Clear. That's the solution, hopefully. Yeah. So I mean, one of the starting points. For that I want to um, begin with mm. is macho pessimism, which I think is like very related to depression and the way that um, people process their despair. And I think that in a situation such as the one we're in now, um, and I think this is something that comes from people who have identities that are often kind, kind of privileged. I, I, I always go back to the James Baldwin quotes, uh, I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. And I think there is a sort of form of pessimism um, where, as Baldwin says immediately afterwards, um, to be a pessimist is to believe that human life is an academic matter. And I think there is, a, like, when I say macho pessimism, I mean, like, this kind of thing where you're like, oh, well, anyway, I mean, everything's so fucked, isn't it? I mean, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Where, and, and if you're sort of, if you're quite confident in yourself, but quite mm. sort of unconfident in the world or, or quite sort of insecure about yourself, but you sort of want to be the first person to say, this is so terrible, this is so bad, you know. Mm. Things couldn't possibly be worse. Mm. But, and mm. by saying things couldn't be possibly be worse, you're sort of protecting against that deep fear that you have that mm. actually things could uh, get worse and that there is something to lose. The, the acknowledgement that there's something to lose. Passive aggression is the sort of framework that springs to mind when you're talking about this. Because I, it, 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 I think quite possibly possibly people don't usually know what they mean when they talk about people being passive aggressive but in a way i think what you're describing the the impulse to immediately um posit a a critique but in the form of a dismissal basically yeah. is like it's uh, it's simul- it's an action which is simultaneously aggressive and also passive yeah. so it basically says you know what um i and indeed, by extension, you ought not to have anything to do with um, thinking about this terribly much, this election, because actually, let me tell you, things are a lot worse than, than this is. This goes along with. Now, I agree, in, and the reason I think this is passive is because it's then saying, I'm going to take myself out of this. Mm, yeah. And um, and I'm basically like, yeah, I'm, and exactly, it exactly relates to that. Because it means that you can take yourself about, out of it. Yeah, it's the luxury of being able to do that, right? And to spend the next weeks, next weeks, next six weeks now, mm. being a uh, being a sort of base amateur sophologist. Um, what does that who, mean? Sophology is the is the study of elections and right. the study of well polling and electioneering. Uh, so it's it's the it's it's well, it's polling basically. Mm. It's the science of polling. So people who say like, oh yeah, you know, look at the latest comrades, mm. you know, the Conservatives have got an X percent lead and then, you know, the Guardian poll says this. And, you know, we see Twitter being full of this. Twitter was yeah. full of this within a couple of hours of um, May announcing the election. But I think 
yeah, the luxury of, of, of being able to, to sit out in that particular way. But also, I would say that the, the second part of that, I, I agree with. Mm. <laughs> and we can, we can go back to this because it's a longer chat. But like, yeah, things are incredibly bad. And, and mm. the, 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 the terms upon which a general election in this country are going to be fought over the next six weeks have something to do with that, but not... Uh, in a, the way that we would want to be able to face those issues. Yeah, I mean, the, the right has once again managed to frame the whole discussion, so it's a battle over over the framing. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, that's the hegemony in which we're living. So yeah, it's important to say that it's never going to be on our terms. Yeah, you know, exactly. Until it is, and it's never yeah. going to be a situation where we mostly feel like we're winning. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, my ini- my initial reaction when I got the Apple News alert yeah. was like, and I think I messaged you. I was just like. Jeremy is going to be legally lenged. Like this is like you yeah. Know, it was like a full and I and I um and there was a sort of there was some sort of release for me to just say like this is so terrible. Oh my god. Right. And then like very quickly, mm. I was just like, okay, I've got to find a way to feel positive about mm. this. Um, mm. and I've sort of like, and I've got to see and I, I so many other people because I don't look at Twitter, but I started looking at Twitter again as soon as this happened. <laughs> And I was like, I sort of saw everyone go through this stage of yeah. like starting off being like, "Fuck, this is <laughs> terrible." Like six weeks is nothing. Nothing's going to happen. Everything's yeah, yeah. Gonna, like May is just so evil. Yeah. And then like this thing of like, okay, all of the polls. <laughs> Corbyn, this is this opportunity yeah. to say like, okay, you know, this is for socialism or barbarism, and you know, make June the end of May, and you know, is it something like the stages of grief? It's like mm. you know, denial, anger, <laughs> sadness, resolution, acceptance, something like or whatever. That, yeah, and it's not gr- it's not grief necessarily. But no, no, no. Like, I'm not saying it is grief, but it sounds like yeah, we've there's got these kind of identifiable stages. psychological stages. Because what I think this is what I'm interested in also talking about is like what what May proposes with an election is to all to anyone who's got a sort of sense of sensitivity to human life to anyone who's kind of like uh sort of passionate about human rights i guess mm. um because she's been someone who's historically had such an opposition to mm. uh, to freedom uh i would say um you know she's saying okay in the next 6 weeks i dare you to prove that like that 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 racism is wrong and that human rights mm. are wrong and that like mm. you know that that I'm not <laughs> you know the right person to lead this country. That human rights are right. She's doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's saying. Yeah, she's 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 she's, she's mm. daring us to within a format that she sort of knows that we that we struggle with because it, it's this kind of end binary result of yeah. like who wins an election and we've had so many elections and referendums in lots of significant countries in the last year yeah. or so yeah and it seems suddenly much harder for the left to kind of take control of that situation um yeah and she sees that it feels like she sees that and that and that's what makes it so intimidating for people who want to think about this in a different way yeah well i mean there's so many there have been so many other politics happening in the in the space between the last general election and this one um, you know, and uh, you know, the last two years, I was th- I was just thinking about this time lapse because I was going past a a wine bar in Ma- in South Manchester, which is where I spent the last election night, mm-hmm. having us uh, communists having confidently thought that the exit polls probably gave us a hung parliament with not very much Tory in it. Mm. 
um, all went and had a had a nice glass of beer or whatever, and then obviously dealing with it. But the the um, I was thinking about that the, the period between times and particularly the border crisis, the manifestation of the border crisis in both in Europe and in British political life has been striking and has caused a lot of grassroots politics, a lot of different actions, a lot of a lot of movements outside parliamentary politics. For me it seems a bit ridiculous for then parliamentary politics to like assert its normality in this like crushing, grinding, boring way. But actually I don't I think we should be and of course Brexit is the other thing that's happened, but I think we should be alive to the fact that it's not business as usual. And I think what feels ridiculous to me is the fact that there is a huge... I, I always get I always get bummed out or, like, exhausted by my own perception that something is being presented as thoroughly unlike what it is. And I think, for me, that's the problem for me with parliamentary democracy in general. But I think particularly at these moments of, like, important decision-making and spectacle, which the election also is, right? So immediately everyone gets their swing or meters up and you have the, you know, you have the, the photo shoots and you have the door knock. Mm. Even door knocking is a spectacle, actually, mm. even though there is also a, a you know, political uh, reason for doing it. There's a reason for doing it, but that doesn't mean that you don't, it's not also like something that is there to be looked at. All this thing swings into operation and you think, but th- th- this isn't what, this isn't, this is, positing itself as what's happening but actually what's happening is all these other things underneath it and beyond it that affect it but but about which and this is my kind of routine kind of anti-capitalist stance all the time is like about which we cannot speak under the terms in which it is being presented to us yeah and i think this is where my kind of horror since um since whatever it was six six five to six days ago mm-hmm. has been the horror of the representation of that in my life and the fact that i have to deal with it which i you know tiny violin but it, that that's why i feel that's why i feel angry that's why i feel kind of horrified yeah and that might be what that might be what drives some people towards the macho pessimism Definitely. which you describe I, I want, so i understand it yeah i want to sort of like i want to observe like the reason i bring up macho pessimism i want to observe my own potential for it although i think hmm. I, I, I sort of check myself early enough usually um and I, you know, I'm someone generally motivated by hope and optimism, um, but like, it is, it is this sort of like, like you're always, you're, in order to sort of like, make something good happen, you always have to sort of feel some sense that uh, that battles can be won, and yeah, it, it comes back to this question of like, you know, well, exactly, and what is won in an election? I mean, it's nothing for us. No, but I mean, it's it's sort of. There are things that I mean. There, there's a sort of, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't want to talk very much about Corbyn, but like for him to be prime minister would, <laughs> yeah. would be a very different from anything I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and I think like, but that's why it sort of seems so so impossible. Not that it's kind of our ultimate utopia. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about the self care angle mm-hmm. on 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 elections specifically and okay. referendum specifically because that's it's, really interesting because I was. Um... Yeah, go on, and then I'll say something. Uh, 
I, I, I don't know. I might just hand over to you because it's, yeah. just, it's just that. Really. Well, I wanted to post something on Facebook a couple of days ago. I'm always interested when my brain starts going to Facebook post mode oh. and to like what that means. <laughs> the adrenaline of the Facebook Yeah, post. it's like, oh, I want to say something. I want to make an announcement. Most of my Facebook output is asking people for help with mundane matters and occasionally telling people that I'm doing readings or whatever. But um, I do occasionally have a, have a, have a rant. Oh, yeah. um, but I think I wanted to, um, I wanted to say to people, this is how you look after yourself in the next six weeks. Mm, yeah. And um, because I could see people getting very upset, um, and I could see also people kind of instantly doing the kind of, uh, oh God, complete, you know, like uh, people asking for help, people asking for help and advice. And I know this is something we both wanted to talk about as well, but sort of saying, you know, should I vote? Should I vote Labour? You know. Uh, you know, or, you know, should I vote, even should I vote Liberal Democrat? I mean, these people, like, nobody on my news people saying, should I vote Tory? But but also lots of people saying, oh, God, this is really shit, and, and kind of venting their feelings. I was just going to say, like, really simple stuff to people, like, turn off social media for a big chunk of every day. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to people you don't usually talk to about politics, if you can. Mm-hmm. If you actually want to convince... I mean, and there's been some really positive stuff. Like, if you actually want to... If you're in a swing seat and you want to convince people to vote Labour... Um, or green or whatever, like, um, you know, then go and chat to people and this is how you do it. And I've seen people sharing that kind of mm. advice. But I, I sort of wanted to focus it more with people on like, please don't get caught up in a kind of catastrophism of the yeah. elections, whether that's, oh God, the Tories are going to get in again mm-hmm. or like, um, oh, you know, oh, even if, even if you know, all this kind of macho pessimism, like it doesn't matter because, you know, everything's so bad anyway. It's like, you have to... You have to. You have to. It's. It's. It's a very. It's a very. It's a very unpleasant violence that the state brings upon us that to to make us have elections in this way, right? And with yeah. this voting system, and with all the other apparatus of government and the state around it, there's nothing wrong with democracy per se. I don't fucking believe that, obviously. But like, you know, that just just to say to people, you know, this is just just try and find these ways that you can step outside what is happening here and 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 you know go for a run or watch film or chat some people about what you want to see you know in your area or join your fucking trade union or you know whatever it is like it's this basic stuff and I feel like probably would be patronizing quite a lot of people when I say these things but who am I speaking to at that point like I have like 500 friends on Facebook Mm -hmm. and a good wadge of them are people I don't really know so it's kind of an interesting thing it is a it's a yeah. You know, it becomes a political act in itself to to say to say that's the people I don't know, and what I say on social media gets very different responses according to what I'm saying and the way I'm saying it. So I thought, you know, anyway, I didn't. That, that was, <laughs> but that was where, I was, but that was where I'm at with like, you know, you know self care in a very very basic mm. way of like, this is actually going to be quite stressful. And the, actually, the more politically switched on a person you are, mm. and unless you're really into party politics, which not many of my friends are, mm. it's going to be a really, um, it's going to be a really uh, unpleasant experience in the main. And the the way the vote swung around for Jeremy Corbyn very quickly with a lot of people I know, um, was heartening actually. And I and I and I'm not a member of the Labour Party. The way that people began to become very enthusiastic. But to, to basically say like that this is actually an opportunity to again 
bolster the credibility of this guy as the leader of the Labour Party. Yeah. And it's important, even if you don't 100% agree with his politics. But there's always this thing that gets elided. It's like, well, you know, he's not a communist, but... And then, like, quite a lot of my friends were then posting the kind of 10-point plans and being like, oh, this is actually quite good. And, you know, mm. whatever. I mean, I, I, you know, I definitely think we should keep this discussion <laughs> on, like, political effects rather than policy yeah. and politics. But it's it's not possible to talk about one without yeah, mentioning no, no the other. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the emotional register of what's happened in the last few days is, is, is intense. And, like, I wanted to just get together with my comrades in a pub and say, like, let's just have a, let's just have a chat about it. Yeah, I feel because even before the election happened, I was gonna sort of say something or or, or to you or, or or put it on Instagram or say to a few people like I can't deal with the level of like news right now because mm. it's the day before. There's a, Mike Pence right. went to South Korea and, and started saying all kinds of rather worrying things, you know. So it's kind of like um, it, and and obviously you know mm. we're, we're speaking on the day after this this Le Pen is in the in the second round mm. for the French election and, and um, it does there is a sort of there was an amazing thing that sort of stood out for me uh, this feels <laughs> off topic but it's not um, there was a clip from Fox News um, and this man Geraldo Rivera who Americans will be very familiar with mm. um, was talking about. Um, Trump's bombing of, um, uh, I think it was the mother of all bombs bomb in Afghanistan. And he was sort of saying, you know, it won't solve the Syrian war, but uh, it's a really nice gesture because (laughs) basically um, it reminds me of being at school when uh, there was a bully and and he was called Tom or whatever he was called. Um, And, you know, and he just really let you know that, you know, you couldn't really mess with him, you know, and I think that's really what Trump's doing. And it's amazing when you hear someone begin a metaphor with there was this bully at school and it turns out that their feeling is that they really admire the bully and they really think the bully was fantastic. And isn't it great that our president is a bully? So Um, how does this relate back to the British election? Because I think there's an overwhelming kind of like war against sensitivity, uh, like, it's not actually called that or thought of that by anyone, but I think, like, the way in which it's now sort of... We live in an era where you where right-wing, right-wing people can now explicitly say, like, yeah, I support the bad guy in the film, you know? Like, I am, like... Mm, right. You know, this is how, how, yeah. how I feel a better society will be created, yeah. through brutality, through yeah. kind of... So, so yeah. then... Uh, then, as, as, as artists or as people... Uh, as anyone who kind of, like values sort of radical love that yeah. radical love becomes a lot more yeah. something that you can actually focus on and talk about and think about like actually yes like love or, or tenderness or generosity can be a form of resistance and i don't mean this in like a in a, in a hippie love way Trump's be- hate. in a hippie way because i also <laughs> think we should punch fascists but like there's this kind there's of a lot in between there as well yeah yeah yeah. there's a hell of a lot um you know like but i i i I think this is a moment where for artists who are sort of open to kind of examining extremes, Mm. which I think of myself as as one of those, um, this is like everything has just become very clear. It's Mm. it's gone clear. (laughs) I wake up up in the night with my heart beating so fast because um, and, and I wonder why it is. And it, and it it might be because I've eaten too much cheese, but it's also because the stakes are so damn high. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that I think that um, I think that one thing I've felt was really great from my community of like, you know, community, my 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 network of like leftist friends was 
pretty going back to these kind of initial stages, the shades, the, the stages of grief. Mm. Um, after the anger and shock and the kind of oh fuck this is happening again kind mm. of thing like bun this out it's gonna be horrible was like there was a there was a sleeve roll up and there was like right there's mm. too much at stake here yeah. not to engage in it politically yeah. I have seen that and I have to say of my close comrades I've seen that across the board mm-hmm. so like I know quite a few people who were like doing some um, you know voter registration stuff at the weekend like I know people who were you know having meetings about things like um, it's not it's not uh, so that that feeling, the feel, the macho feeling hasn't pervaded. But, hmm. um, but I guess like what I'm saying about the stakes is like the funny thing about the election for me is like the stakes. The stakes are raised, but not in the same way that something like the border crisis shows you that the stakes are raised, or not in the same way that something like the election of Trump actually shows us that the stakes are raised. It's more like, it's more like the stakes are raised to this point of like horrible anticipation. And then, and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, sorry, I'm kind of thinking out loud. It's it's kind of, you know, you're talking about like radical love and, and you know, kind of this, um, the sort of... Um, well, also the opposition between that kind of, that bully, that that rise of Saying bullying. Saying I am the bully, yeah. And how that works with natural pessimism and how kind of there is, in the face of like brutality, there is a sort of, um, there's a desire to sort of, uh, match that extremity with an extremity of pessimism or an extremity like yes like yeah how to be tender in that and how to yeah, be yeah, nuanced yeah. how to actually find nuance in a situation where you want to say okay this is a big political event there's so yeah, much yeah. we need to talk about blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's create a piece vote labor like it's, how do you yeah, end yeah, the conversation yeah, yeah. with yeah, that yeah yeah, 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 yeah. no it's, it's complete it's yeah it is overwhelming it is overwhelming um i guess um It does fly. I think it's hard for me, and I think it's probably hard for you. It's harder for us than the pe- than the people around me and you that I see who are kind of being flushed out by this crisis. And I it sounds like I'm using a shooting analogy, and I'm gonna like I'm gonna shoot them all down. But I mean, th- no, out. I mean flushed out like you know beating them out from where they're hiding in a bush. Okay. You know because. Um, which sort of people? People who are like left-wing liberals who mm. um, haven't really ever felt that they had to, they needed to or had the opportunity to engage with politics, not from like a particularly necessarily a moral failing of their own, but just the circumstances of their own life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always gone back to this and I think having been trained as an organiser was very instructive in this. It's like most people, it's actually very difficult for people to engage in what most people would read as politics yeah. in their own lives. And... But one of the things about the stakes being higher and the obviousness, suddenly the obviousness of the bullying um, and the and the positioning of the bully as the kind of the, the holder of power is that people um, don't want to stand for that. And mm. I think it, I think it's I think it's transformative when they see certain elements, and I think particularly in the migrant crisis in this country, but also in the huge responses to this, you know, the Muslim ban in the US and the um you know the encroachments upon women's reproductive rights all over the world like actually a lot of people who haven't participated in this mm. so we're still in you know it, although we feel like we're maybe in this kind of time of electoralism crisis we're actually also still in what peter linebaugh calls the camping times you know we're still in the times where people like come and and manifest we're still in people trying new forms of political organization and i think 
I mean, the horrible thing about the next six weeks is there isn't very much space for new forms of political organisation. So if you're no. really savvy, what you're doing is in, in, on the level of the, the state and the, 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 the government, the UK government is thinking about what happens after the 7th of June, 8th of June. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. But I think, yeah, that was me trying to kind of turn a hopeful thing on this yeah. kind of stakes are high business. It's like when, pe- when the stakes are high, a lot of people take note. Take note. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really sort of important to have a, a very open and a non-judgmental conversation about about that sense of fear that people have when they realise what sort of an impact they might be capable of having. And once you realise yeah. that you can have an impact on the world, mm. um, that question of where you stop yeah. becomes incredibly difficult. I wrote this poem that I performed on Saturday uh, about the election, about revolution and about um the experience of the threshold of falling in love and the interpolation that happens between two people and those things all have something to do with each other Mm. in my mind and in my life because they were happening to me partly and um but one of the lines of that poem is me i say joe cox loved detention centers i don't kind of feel i kind of feel like a little ashamed of that line in a funny way but i think it's like I'd rather push the discourse too far that way. Does it feel and then row back from it. Or, yeah. A bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know whether she did, but the point is, like, the Labour Party established immigration detention yeah. um, or, you know, made it far more widespread. And it's a very, and immigration detention is a very recent thing. It's not a fucking fact, you know. Yeah. Um, and I feel it, for, for a variety of reasons, I feel that particularly personally. Um, so, you know, I think, like... You know, going back to the Rosa Luxemburg quotation, you know, to the to to be able to to say loudly, proclaim loudly what is happening is a revolutionary act. I, I think yeah. what I sort of yeah, I mean, to, to to proclaim what is happening is kind but of but what is happening is quite an unstable. It's quite an unstable <laughs> thing, and, and it's sort of easier to. Well, you know, this is why sort of it's quite. What is happening? I mean, I went to this Fassbinderian politics study day at the BFI, and the first thing that was the set, politics of, of Brian of, Averna Fassbinder. Of Fassbinder, yeah. yeah. Um, and the first thing that was said was like, you know, uh, this season was planned two years ago, but we now feel that this this discussion is incredibly pertinent. Post Brexit, post Trump, Fassbender's work is yeah. far more relevant. Yeah. Um, and I just I didn't feel like much more needed to be said. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that should have know, been the end of the that seminar. That was the end of three hour seminar. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I was just fucking nodding, and I was like, I, I mean, if I could nod more than this, then you know. Um, but yeah, mm. I think like it's. It's hard, and when when I was reading Fred Moten, I was sort of, like, feeling this kind of real visceral frustration in some ways, because I was like, this person is trying to... You were reading The Undercommons Undercommons by by Fred Fred Moten and and Stefan Harney. Harney. Um, And I was was like... There were moments of this book... um, uh, I give background for listeners um, who are not aware of Fred Moten's work or this piece... Um, Fred Merton is mostly a poet but um, this book is kind of a, a book of political theory with quite a poetic sort of narr- narrative and it's about uh, the subtitle is Fugitive Pan- Planning and Black Study and it has a lot of stuff about um, education and, and spaces of learning um, and it, it kind of creates quite a few terms and then questions the terms that it creates and it's very there are moments of it where I feel like this kind of very quite revolutionary um, speech 
makes me feel like there's a possibility to change everything and that, and that that is incredibly necessary and that you know especially this is someone who, who draws on fanon and and and, and uh and, and has a sort of a view of um there's an amazing bit uh saying like you know you wouldn't um you wouldn't expect the slaves to want anything other than complete radical transformation because mm. there's no way there's no sort of really sort of no compromise there's there. no compromise there you don't sort of agree to some sort of so gradual third compromise. Way. exactly like now we see obviously like you need to completely um yeah. abolish that um that process um sort of reminds me of the way that william wilverforce is currently being presented sorry this is a tangent but i'm just going to tell you anyway uh hull train station hull being mm -hmm. the capital of, uh, city of uk city of culture this this year uh, William Wilberforce was the MP for Hull and was very involved in the uh, abolition... Well, he wasn't really involved in the abolition. He was involved in the abolition of slavery as a kind of legal category, but not, the, you know... Well, the trade, but not the legal category, basically. And, and I mean, he's like, there's a, there's a fucking video of him at Hull Station, like an animation of this, like, being like, hi, I'm William Wilberforce. I got told verbatim this by my friend, so I'm William Wilberforce. I decided that slavery was really bad, so me and my friends decided to get together and end it. And in 1808, this act was passed. Not bad for a boy from Hull. This <laughs> is like, like complete erasure of like, but that, but that, but but that. I mean, we're laughing at that, but that is serious. That's pure. That's pure ideology yeah, yeah. functioning at the level of like Hull train station. That's what people learn about mm. William Wilberforce, and that's what people learn about the end of slavery. There's not a great deal in textbooks in general. No. To, to, to say that, that progress has been made through violent resistance. Yeah, uh, and non-violent resistance. Yeah, um, yeah, the suffragettes covered quite quite well, in, <laughs> in my experience. Apart from the sort of like radical history. communist element of them. Yeah, it could, you know, you, you could, I mean, I, I don't even know that much about the suffragettes beyond what I learned <laughs> in GCSE, but every other, I mean, the empire, you know, to what extent was it a good thing or not? These sorts of like liberal yeah. questions, I mean, worse than yeah. liberal, but I mean, you know. Anyway, go back to, go back to Moton and Harney, because you're talking about this thing about the, the saying that, that once you're in this p certain position as a subject, as a political subject, you, there is no other option than the, the most, the most your total liberation. Yeah, so I found it kind of ironic and painful to be reading this book about completely fucking up everything and changing it. And and it was so articulate about that and mm. so sort of motivating. Mm. Um, and at the same time, be sort of like background, low-key aware of this sort of like very binary-led sort of mm. election, led by the binary of Brexit as well as the mm. binary of like Labour or Tories. Mm -hmm. um, and the binary for, 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 for people on the left of like, do I engage with parliamentary politics heavily or not? Yeah, um, or, or at all, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just sort of, like, I, it made me even more angry at Theresa May because I just thought, like, I, I, I like this, it, it, it's bit, like we are even more disoriented by the sort of, like, options available to us. We're, we're like, and yet I'm, you know, it's in, in Moton and I, I find his poetry more powerful than his theory. But the poetic elements of his theory, I find, I do find very powerful, um, because there is a sort of a, a belief in in kind of uh, in, in kind of digging up this stuff. But it is sort of it's it's done through a very theoretical language, and I'm sort of trying to I'm trying to sort of the more kind of like viscerally angry kind of art of this era that we live in. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking at the moment about Anoni and about Kendrick Lamar. Oh, there's viscerally angry people. A viscerally angry 
people anguished anguished people yeah who are kind of who who seem totally kind of connected mm. to everything that's going on mm. and i think like um and and only has been more able to sort of like talk about the politics in interviews and stuff mm. whereas i think kendrick lamar is much more keen to just say look this, this is the work this is the yeah. work um but that work doesn't doesn't propose a utopia no uh, uh, and in that way, I find it more satisfying work. But I also sort of wonder upon what terms we will change the way that we talk and think about the world we want to live in. I mean, maybe this is why I've become more of a revolutionary because I feel like the rev- thing about the revolution is there isn't much of a primer for it, and it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't apply what you've learned to a revolutionary situation. Well, that that's not tri- quite true. You can't exactly apply a political theory to it um whereas you can apply political theory to like steady progressive change mm. um or organizing people for power except increasingly um, you can't given the sort of choppy waters of... well there are still some basic principles of yeah, organizing yeah, 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 yeah. i mean thinking about um uh you know jane mccalevey's work and thinking about the return of um an interest in community organizing as a technique over the last sort of um five ten years in UK and America, um, there are some principles around organising people for power which are pretty constant. Um, mm. And, yeah, that, that's just, also something I've been thinking about Yeah, since the election was announced and kind of not really gone anywhere with it. But, um, yeah, I don't think one should... I don't think one should overly obscure... <laughs> like, the principles of, like... You know, we're talking about, we're always talking about power, always talking about whether we've got it, what do we want, what kind of power do we want, what don't we have, how do, you know, like, mm. in fact, I think people should be talking in those terms a lot more. Um, power and scarcity are the two sort of, like, ideas that are sort of lead, have been le- leading my political thought for the last few years, I'd, I'd say. What's, what's, what's the scarcity aspect? The way in which scarcity drives... Um, capitalism and drives the need for power people need more power when they feel that things are scarce Mm. Um, and that becomes ingrained over generations to a point where it no longer becomes specifically about the scarcity right but the scarcity is a product is a is a product and a function of capitalism yes exactly it's necessary for capitalism for there to be scarcity and so the scarcity is like engineered engineered and it's it's it becomes very artificial but there are scarcity there's like empty houses where it's like that's an artificial scarcity and then there's like Things like the climate crisis where you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, well, we yeah. need to sort of talk about how we're going to manage this. Um, and Yeah, it, machines that promised us abundance have left us in want. Yeah, because of, because of the system. So, yeah, that's the sort yeah. of... I was thinking, thinking about, you know, the, the, the video I did with Ash about whiteness years ago mm. and the kind of, like, how, you know, a racial identity began with a scarcity, a need to, a need to other someone in order to, mm. to gain greater power. Um, and right now the power yeah. seems to be the things seem to be like at, at a sort of at a high pitch of yeah. scarcity and so and so to be able to call that out and call out that power in 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 that way and yeah. and talk about it in those terms i think what, it's quite important what what do you, what's being named as scarce at the moment then this kind of is it this kind of land resources kind of thing in terms of the migrant is it yeah, full, is it the full upness? Yeah, the yeah the idea the idea that England is full up, or the mm-hmm. idea that it's not possible. 
a scarcity of like of, of emotional generosity, a scarcity of like um, of of political will. I think I don't think I'm stretching this concept of scarcity by saying this. Like I think there is a, there is a sort of um, one of the big tools of of, of racists mm. at the moment is is the idea that that people simply don't have the the desire for you know being around the other you know and and, mm. the, and that somehow we would all just be much better off separate mm. that's kind and the of race and the rise of race realism as a concept yeah. in the last few years is really notable that's what makes yeah. people feel better about yeah. their racism believing that it's determined under those ideas of, mm. of, of mm. scarcity and then it no longer becomes your problem for being racist yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just like actually you know people need to stick to their own border territories yeah. because there's a kind of ontological naturalness to that yeah Whereas before really... the financial crisis, you could actually sort of call people racist. <laughs> mm, yeah. Jade Goody, I, I've always said this. It, it would have, it would go, it would go down very differently now. The Jade Goody crisis. Because she'd be like, "Yeah, I'm racist. What about it?" I'm no, really... she wouldn't say that. She would. She would. She would be backed up by people who said that. There would be, yeah. There would be. A, there would be a, a general, like you know, Nigel Farage would go on LBC and say, you know, the legitimate in, concerns. Inter, inter, legitimate concerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, like integration yeah. doesn't really. Multiculturalism has failed. Like yeah. you would, that. Well, people weren't saying yeah. that in two thousand and seven when when mm. the Jay Goody thing happened. People were like genuinely frightened by, uh, by racism and, and wanted to be very harsh about it. And I'm mm. glad that they wanted to be harsh about racism. There is now a desire to think about like the white working class identity and think about how that's formed and 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 why. But they, there is there isn't so much of a desire to actually kind of be hopeful about that. Mm. There's there's like there's this kind of thing about well the most important thing now is to keep these these Brexiteers happy and that yeah. that means oh yeah and whiteness is totally a given in that yeah, yeah, like yeah nobody's completely. nobody's talking about how that was formed. I think there's uh, or um, how that affects people of color on a on a recent there's a there's a recent article in Base publication which is really really good about um it's called the um. The, is it called the end of a white world and it's um it's a really good systematic analysis of um it's, it's like erudite and clear uh, sort of description of how whiteness and race has functioned in the sort of britain after the sort of post-war britain to now and the creation of new racisms and also the su the sustaining of like uh the, the the sort of taming or the restriction of like black working class organisation mm. in the 60s and 70s into a politics of um, um, what's the word? Race relations and mm. diversity. And I think that's, um, it's a really good piece basically. I recommend it. It's But that was really striking to me was this idea that it was very important for the state, the British state at, at a certain point or bits of the British state to co-opt powerful autonomous working class black organizing mm -hmm. um for example in the asian youth movement and some of the kind of british permutations of the black panthers and also like british black trade unionism into a kind of um stratified and classless idea of like diversity and representation by race um and also like then it goes on to talk about some of the newer forms of like popular popular racism and stuff like that um, including like yeah, sort of race race realism, the rise of the concept of race realism, and how that 
isn't able to be played off what, against. How would you? I've never heard that term. Race, race realism. That's, that is you. You described it uh-huh. perfectly earlier. It's like this thing of um, kind of saying, well, you know, the races can't mix and multiculturalism yeah, yeah. can't get over this because this is like an ontological fact, yeah, yeah, proven yeah. and borne out by the conflicts that emerge by people of different cultures when they have to live alongside each other. There's always a war. Yeah, there's yeah, always yeah, a conflict. Yeah. Therefore, sh- people should stick to their own. Yeah, that's race. Keep, that's keeping, race realism. Keeping this war going. It's, it's called idea, race realism by by those racists. Like it's a way of them saying, I'm not a racist. I'm a race realist. So whenever there's mean, whenever, whenever anyone's making a claim to realism, one you know one should always be very yeah. trustful. So, social realism, yeah. race realism, it's basically any kind of realism. Any kind of realism. <laughs> uh, Goes back to why I don't like Ken Loach. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> poor Ken Loach. He always gets like slightly powered on this on this show. But it's, like, it, I'm sorry, it's now become an in joke. We never, me, myself, and I. We never, we never quite go in, uh, but we we sort of make a few exit wounds. Um, all right then. <laughs> On that note, is that it? <laughs> Thanks listen- for listening. <laughs> You've been listening to Gone Clear. <laughs>